Aubrey, are you ready to rewind 80s? Aubrey SSNA Club, Friday the 18th of August. Rewind 80s, we're going to be banging out all the 80s hits. If you'd like tickets, go to ssaclub.com.au and we'll see you in Aubrey in just over a week's time. Woo! Montage. I'm Sammy Hardon. And I'm Jay Jovi. We're across town from each other tonight, guys. We're speaking remotely tonight. We've been both incredibly busy. Yeah. We really you... have. We've been booking the gigs, huh, babe? Yeah, look, it's been a really good week for corporate gigs and venues and new venues, but a really bad week um, with fighting with people. I've had... This agent want commission for gigs that he hasn't even booked and and oh no uh, oh it's been horrific. Look, an, I've, an look, old and a certain older agent. No, new one. It's a very big agent that is more oh, worried dear. that we're going into a venue that one of his bands is going into. It's all politics, right? So, uh. It's another tribute band that are just competing and they've rung him and complained that we're doing a venue that they've done. Like they haven't done all our fucking venues anyway. And yeah. uh, just had to send in a couple of fucking mushroom pies, mate, to the fucking agent. That's all. <laughs> a you know? couple of mushroom pies? Yeah, mushroom pies. That'll fix the cunts. So <laughs> the, the problem with me is it's like it's, it's kind of like the Sopranos meets Wentworth where – 
I'm really protective over my brand. There was an email that went out about the brand being um, in the wrong and doing the wrong thing. The, the venue got nervous because basically they're worried that if we go in there we're going to fucking make a great noise and, and we're a better band, you know. So really, really hard. I, I, I like cried for three, da- three days. I was like I don't need to put up with this for fucking some shit band. You know, oh, shit, serious. It was really stressing, like really taxing and I was bullied, bullied by an yeah, agent. Yeah, pretty much. And I was, my, our name was just dragged through the mud in an email. I've got the email, which is funny. So I'm sort of being, oh, I mean, you guys wouldn't believe how hard it is to run a tribute band, but they're just little bitches, the other bands. And we don't need to be because we go out there and we play and we sing and we've done this for longer than all of them, you know. And I just, it was really taxing mentally and I went to my lawyer today and they went, okay, well, this is what we're going to do. So just over a cover band, it's insane, but it it has happened for a long, long time with us. But, yeah, sent, sent through a few mushroom pies. So it was a bit of a week but then all these gigs started coming in and the first thing people say about our band is, oh, my God, it's like watching a fucking Aldi's version of your band. Like what's going on, you know? I mean. Yeah, weird. It's really a big challenge and. It's heartbreaking because I've done this for 35 years and I don't need this shit. And I rang the agency and abused the fuck out of them and I don't care who they are and they would have recorded the conversation and had a bloody, hopefully hopefully a mushroom pie while they were listening to it. And uh, I'm just not, I was just talking to Brian Canham about myself and I said, Brian, you know, the whole reason why I'm not famous or accessible is because I don't fucking stand I, – I just don't put up with shit. I can't yeah, be controlled. Yeah. And he goes, that's 100% why. He goes, yeah, that is yeah. 100% why yeah. your personality, they don't want to deal with you because you just can't be controlled, you know? Mm, mm, yeah. Because he was really worried about me because I have just haven't rung them for three days because I've been yeah. devastated that I've got this other little ladies band that – it's going into all our venues after we've done them and filling the venues, like, and thinking they're heroes, you know? Yeah. No one yeah. knows one wig from another. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yep. think people do. So that was my whole week and it was sad because it was a agent that I really thought of highly but not anymore. Yeah. Man. Not anymore. Right. That's Just such a shame. Anymore. Such mm. a shame. But it isn't actually him. It's the band ringing him. And complaining yeah, about right. us. Yeah, Which yeah. we've talked about. So, and they're a cover band of a cover band anyway. So good luck to them. Yeah. How yeah. was your week? Not too bad. Like, you know, it was, um, you know, I sound, sound, sounds like it was completely different to yours. But look, I, yeah. um, yeah, we celebrated Leo's first birthday. So Amazing. Um, yeah, we flew, we took Friday and Monday off. We flew to Cairns so that I could sort of, be around my family up there. All of Mika's family flew up as well. Oh, um, my God, that's great. Yeah, we hired out a big house and, and we all stayed there. And it was really beautiful. Everybody got along really well. The weather was not amazing but we yeah. really loved each other's company and um, the weather was actually nicer in Melbourne. It was just so beautiful over yeah. the weekend. Yeah. And um, 
Um, but look, we we had a great time up there and um, introduced a, a couple of the new family members who hadn't been to Cairns before. To Cairns, I got to yeah. hang out with Lily as well. Oh Lily my god, how was she to the party? She, she, yeah, is she, she going to join the sluts? She, yeah, yeah. You know, it's her, it's her big. I bet it. It's it's her big landmark birthday. It's her big. It's the big one. Oh it's really? The big, it's the big birthday coming okay. in October. And, oh, um, fantastic! Yeah, she's gonna so have that's a birthday up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, she's gonna have her birthday up there. So I'm thinking about just popping up for the for the weekend for the birthday because um, yeah, yeah, that's a big one. I mean to see my mum as well, but um, uh, catch catch Lily's birthday while I'm up there. You know? Yeah, so, totally. Um, yeah, so totally. We'll, we'll see That'll how that beautiful. goes, but. She's loving the show. She was talking about, you know, she she how many episodes she's listened to as she drove yeah. up all the East Coast to get to oh, Cairns hilarious. from Melbourne. Oh, my God. And um, she's doing well. She's really happy and um, she's sort of not, um, you know how she was building that caravan with her dad? She's yeah. not doing that anymore. So really? They were building an, Air, an Airbnb venue and the dad just sort of lost his passion for it and yep. she just didn't want to sit around drinking and so she thought, fuck this, I'll, I'll go travelling. So yeah, right. that's what she's doing. Yeah. You really just got to follow your soul. You know what I mean? Like it tells you, yeah, your body totally. tells you what you've got to do. And yeah. You just go and do it. But the beauty about Lily is that she's not committed to anything and she can do whatever she wants. And that's exactly a free spirit, you know. And and um, I'd be the same if I wasn't with Maddie. I'd, yeah, I'm, I'm fucking and I'm like that anyway. But you know, we we could sort of go anywhere and yeah. do whatever we want. But um, no, that's gorgeous. I love that story. I saw some yeah. stuff on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. And Leo just had a a really beautiful birthday. He had a really beautiful first birthday, and um, yeah, it was really lovely. Came came back feeling great, and um, back into work. You know. Yeah, totally, totally, babe. Mm. So tonight on the show, we're looking at the fortieth anniversary of this amazing fucking album. We're looking at Madonna. We're looking at the the studio album Madonna, Madonna's yes. debut album, self-titled debut album, which uh, turned 40 years old back in July 27, just a couple of weeks ago. Mm. So um, came out in 1983. Yeah, Can amazing. you believe 40 years ago? Unbelievable. Yeah. I know, right? And this was my life, this album, and – it's really perfect for me this week because when you go through these dramas with – because everyone after COVID's after everyone. There's no fucking yeah. empathy anymore and no. if that's the word. And uh, I just – when I was putting these songs down, I was like, oh, this is why I did music, you know. I didn't do music for the politics. Yeah. And I really think, oh, this is you, – you, your soul just starts going, oh, my God, Sammy, this is why you did it. You didn't do it to fight with a fat cunt, you know what I mean, and fucking yeah. agency. And, yeah. Um, and we've been through so much together and as like a family in our band and, yeah. you know, we've taken a lot of risks with the show because we wanted to stand out and, and it's very hard to do – you need to take risks in life. And this was my risk. When I heard this album, this is where I went, I want to do this, you know? Yeah, yeah. 
Exactly right. Yeah, it's 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 such a beautiful album and um I guess the story leading up to its production is is really beautiful as well. Mm-hmm. Um you know, probably probably not as beautiful having lived it because it would have been really tough because um yeah. can can I give a bit of backstory Absolutely. to your mind? Totally. And and you, I mean you know this, you know this as well as I do and you can probably correct me on anything that I get wrong oh, but I don't know. Our, I don't our, know if I know our listeners may not because sort of Madonna back at this time, which I'm I'm talking about the sort of early eighties period, very different to Madonna, the massive fucking icon that we know now. Very, very different. Hundred percent. And yeah, she um she moved to New York from Michigan. Um, mm-hmm. so she was a Midwesterner. She moved uh, to Michigan. Uh, to New York in 1979 and um, she straight away wanted to sort of uh, – she came as a as a dancer. She, she sort of turned up in New York. She famously had $35 only and she mm. had her ballet – she had her ballet shoes in her bag and that was it. Mm. And um, it was the very first time she had ridden in a taxi cab. The famous story is sort of she asked the taxi, take me to where – Take me to the middle of the action. So he took her to Times Square and sort of dropped her on Broadway and Times Square. And um, um, first thing that she sort of did when she was settling in was join a band and learn how to play the guitar. So she was sort of – she was auditioning for a lot of musicals and stuff and she – in amongst all the auditions, she actually – she actually got offered a, to uh, dance as a dancer for Patrick Hernandez. What's that and fucking yeah, Patrick? Uh, Born to be What's alive. Fuck, Born to be alive, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't remember. So yeah, she right. was doing that. She was doing yeah. that. She started touring and yep. um, like in her own words, she said she was too good to be a backup dancer. She sort of stuck out too much. And, yeah, um, I think she was singing as well. I think she yeah, was a she singer. Was. Yeah, yeah. yeah, she was. So she, um, they were going to sort of, they were, they kept her in sort of Paris and they were going to sort of make her a big star there, mm-hmm. but it didn't, didn't, didn't quite work out. So she sort of returned to New York. She continued with her guitar and her band and stuff like different, different combinations of bands. She was in, um, she was in fucking the Breakfast, Breakfast Club. Club. Yeah, yeah, Breakfast Club. We were talking, and this is this is where we got the idea to do this episode. We we yeah. sort of. Opened the show with Breakfast Club just the other week. Yeah, that's right. And um, she, um, in and in and around this time, she recorded a demo with her uh, her friend Stephen Bray, who was the drummer in her band. And they co- they recorded this demo tape, sort of on the cheap. And she used to carry the fucking demo tape around with her everywhere, just mm. for that moment where she might run into somebody. And um, she used to go and dance and hang out at a club called Danceteria. Yeah. And um, she was, you know, she was very, very artistic at the time. Her boyfriend was the the famous New York artist Jean Michel Basquiat. Um, one of the one of the guys that used to work at Danceteria with was Keith Haring. So she she um was in and around all of these amazing artists like dancers and singers and visual artists and like an incredible bohemian lifestyle. And, yeah. Um, one of the guys from 
um, Sire Records came in, one of the AR guys, A&R guys came in from Sire Records, she sort of, um, she was aware that he used to come to the club and she sort of wanted to get his attention. So she went up to the DJ and like begged the DJ and over the course of time got him to play the song. Long story short, uh, this A&I guy, I can't fucking say it. A&R guy (laughs) took her to to meet Seymour Stein, the head of Psy Records, who was in hospital um, with a heart condition at the time, met her in hospital and just could not – he was so taken aback by her. He said like – he said the demo tape was just okay. He said but – she had something and it's like it's, it's amazing because that that is Madonna it's like mm. the 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 artistry itself really could be done by anybody but That's it's true. her she yep. she sort of she sort of wills it into being it's her it's her sense of will like just her character her persona is just incredible and yeah. um, he wanted to work with us straight away. And we have talked about this semi sort of uh, Sire Records. If you look at the other, if you look at some of the other names of uh, Sire Records uh, under that banner and you sort of put the Madonna that she became in amongst those artists, it doesn't fit. No, but Madonna, they're all English Madonna artists, at this yeah. time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Depeche Mode. All and, and sort of hard yeah. rock and. Yeah. And um but the Madonna of this time did did fit. She was extremely bohemian, um very artistic and it it made sense, you know. It did it did sort of make make sense back then, but um they they you know, they they started sort of they they signed her pretty much straight away. She was really keen to sort of get signed so she could start making mm. her music. And um, she wrote most of that first album. She wrote oh. most of this album that we're going to be listening to tonight. Yeah. Uh, Absolutely. But yeah. So um, it, it's pretty incredible. It's it's like a – it's a great story. It just says – she was a young girl and it just says so so much about her, her character. Well, to put it lightly too, you're looking at she would have been 19 and – there's no social media. There's no way of getting out there quickly. You just throw a flyer or you get a tape and you're in a disco or whatever. It's yeah. an organic approach to trying to become famous that you needed to be bigger than the average bear. Yeah. Now everyone's so fucking boring and tapping their toes and doing this thing with their eyes and they're famous. And yeah. Madonna really had to work her thing and her niche. And I think that what she, she was a Leo obviously and she was was very Leo. She had the beautiful big energy about her and then she could dance and she was yep. sexual. What guy doesn't want to look at something sexual? Exactly you know, right. Exactly. That's when sex yeah. sold and she knew how to do that. And, yeah, she wasn't the greatest singer but she always said, I'm not the greatest singer or dancer, this is what I do. And I think yeah. it's really interesting because we're not only looking at looking back at Madonna's career, we're looking back at the music industry and how it was and how it was a lot harder. But when you nailed it, you came out with this beautiful album and 
it's timeless, you know. Like, and and I remember the feeling I got as a kid when I got this album, and I was so excited. And the cover was gorgeous, the black and white cover with the chain around her neck. Like we all know that. And the feeling I got downloading these songs just made my week so much better. I was like, oh, this is why I did it, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. It was magical. That's what it was. And it was powerful because she was, I don't know, the Spice Girls before the Spice Girls, you know. Yeah, exactly right. I think that the Spice Girls sort of took a bit of this and went, hang on a minute, you can be a strong woman like Madonna and people will love you, but she just had it going on, you know, and she had control of men. The whole material girl thing as, as we got later on, she worked it out, you know. Yeah, yeah, she did have a she did have a very big effect on men. Like she when um when she started recording, she of course um you know, she needed a manager. Um she basically said I you know, I I want the the biggest the the biggest most successful manager in the industry and that at the time was Michael Jackson's manager, Freddie Deman. Yeah, that's and right. When he met her, he said he was he was completely knocked off his feet, and he had never met anybody that was so physical, that was so sort of connected to their body, and yeah. it was that sort of. Um, I mean, at this time, it was just a like a really girlish sexual energy, but she had hundred percent belief in herself. She sort Confidence. of. Yep. She sort of willed herself into being famous. She it, it was amazing. Well, yeah, um, she did, and she was she was just a little girl, you know. Like she was a yeah, she was quite a petite, quite a petite girl, you know, and and sort of not a big sort of lanky, like you know, drop dead gorgeous model or anything no, like that. Too short for it a was, model. It was her inner energy. Yeah. Oh, she had that the they most were blown away by beautiful eyes and face. Yeah, and you know, I. I just think in these years, 79, 80, 81, this is where women started to break out and become leaders. Like we yeah. were, they were always squashed and stuff and you had your Kate Bush. Like Kate Bush would have been a huge inspiration to her and her coming out oh, and sure. waving her arms going like that shit people didn't do. So all these and then of course David Bowie and all that stuff. So she was looking at these amazing artists and going, I need to do this. Yeah. But commercially, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. So we played Borderline as the opening track, one yeah. of my favourite yeah. all-time songs, you know. Yeah, that's right. Uh, produced by Reggie Lucas, amazing. B-side was Think of Me and she was signed to Sire in 1982, like we said. So mm. February the 15th, 1984 was the single Everybody. She, she got a single. So they let her put out a couple of singles and Everybody was the first one and that did really well in the clubs, you know. Yeah. Now when I first heard Madonna, I thought what everyone else thought at my age, she was a black artist. We actually thought when you heard Burning Up, you went, who is this black woman, you know? And this is yeah. the thing that if you're my age, you really do remember not knowing what she looked like until yeah. Holiday was sort of released. And then we were all surprised. It was like, what, she's white? Really? You know? Yeah. And every little girl just wanted to be like her. She had Erica Bell behind her as a dancer and Christopher, her brother. 
Christopher Shaconi, and they were her dancers behind, say, Lucky Star. They did a lot of work with her. And the three of them looked fantastic together and the dance choreography wasn't normally, it wasn't a two-step thing. There was a lot of stuff in there that was homegrown, you know, like Mm. she'd choreographed it herself and looked effective, you know. Yeah, it was great. It was fun and it sort of, it just, it really connected to girls dancing in their bedrooms or having sleepovers and putting little routines together and stuff. Yeah, it was yeah. she she um she was absolutely cutting edge at this time. She represented young girls of her age all around the world and they and the audiences connected to that straight away. She had this sort of amazing spell over men. The gay guys loved her as well because yeah. she was so confident. And um, young girls just idolised her because of her style and um, she was so relevant, you know. She was so relevant to the time. She just got soaked up by the the market. Yeah, so this album's interesting because there is only eight tracks on it. So the length is 40 minutes 47. This is your first dance artist, organic dance artist where – You've got eight tracks on the album. Some of the songs that the, we're going to play the first track on the album, which is Lucky Star, five minutes 38. Really unheard of nowadays. You know, that's yeah. like a 12 inch. And they did yeah. do longer versions on the album to what you would hear on the radio because a lot of the time the radio would edit them. But mm. uh, this was the song where I put it on and I just got so excited. So it may go for a long time. But if you're a Madonna fan, enjoy this. And I love the start of this video where she's taking off her glasses and there's a break before you hear the music. Um, And the outfit was incredible. Everyone had this outfit. My mum made me this black outfit when I was a little girl so I could look like Madonna. We all went out dressed like Madonna. So this is the next single. It's called Lucky Star. Shine on 
What a track. Yeah, love it. So much energy and positivity. How beautiful. It is. So uh, just this was produced by Reggie Lucas. Sorry, Borderline was written by Reggie Lucas. I just want to clarify that. So this track was written in the – the DJ was Mark Caymans and yep. he was a danceteria DJ. So he was – she wrote this for him to play in the clubs, you mm. know. But it's a yep. banger. And the video just worked, didn't it? Absolutely. And it's sort of – it's important to note that um, – she, like, d- disco, which is essentially what this is at, at the time that it was released, mm. the, um, this was she, – she sort of began as like a disco diva, you know, and this is why everybody thought she was black um, because they, they, they weren't able – they weren't yet putting a, a face to the, to the voice, you know. And um, disco at the time was out of fashion. Like, you know, at, around this time disco was dead as we know – and um, pop was going in a very different direction, you know. Yeah. And so, a, um, a lot of this, a lot of this dance music wasn't wasn't in the charts. So, so it, it's not as if this was sort of springing onto um, into the charts straight away. Like it kind of it existed in the clubs first. Yeah. Um, so every everybody was the first one where we heard, but it was. It's interesting you say that because it was a slow grower. You're right. It wasn't yeah. straight away. And no, this is why away. we all thought she was a black artist because we had no visual to go yeah. with it. Yeah. Especially yeah. Burning Up because Burning Up was out very much before the fact as well. That's right. And, yeah. And it was a killer song. Yeah. And yeah. you'd go to a blue light because I was 13. So I would go to a blue light and I'd, I remember this blue light, uh, this friend of mine, Gary, had his 13th birthday and he had a DJ, which I'd never seen ever in my life, and he played this song and I could not, not his, he played Burning Up, sorry, could not believe how amazing that track was and how amazing it sounded and it yeah. wasn't released yet. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah that's right. It was yeah, kind of like. absolutely. Triple J or PBS, how they used to get like the latest dance stuff and play it exactly before we right. got it in Australia. You that's know? exactly what I was thinking as well. Mm. Yeah, 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 that's right. So but, it was sort of um, – I, I, I just love that it was popular in the clubs first. Yeah, 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 that's right. We didn't know what she looked like, had no idea. Yeah, exactly right. And sort of – so she was, she was sort of doing a lot of – she was doing a lot of promo, like as these singles were being released. She was doing a lot of TV spots as well, because that was really opening up as a as a way to promote your single. Yeah. Um, and she was doing things like Dick Clark, and she was sort of doing doing spots, you know, starting to do them throughout Europe and stuff. And she's got that famous line where Dick Clark is interviewing her, and he he says to her basically because he's sort of introducing her and trying to give an impression of her to the audience and he says to her you know what's next for Madonna like you know what do you want to what are you what are your plans and she just says to rule the world you know she she always knew from the very beginning did that she, she say that to, to Dick Clark and Molly yeah She's, she was famous for, she was famous for that quote on oh okay I thought it was Molly Meldrum 
Nah, she yeah. Ah. Famously, she said to Dick Class, like to rule the world, and then she laughs, you know. Right. But it was sort of like Molly as well. Molly as well. She um, Molly really broke her here. You know, Molly yeah, brought her oh, to yeah. Australia. Well, I think I think Australia broke her everywhere. Really. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because we got a holiday and we went nuts with it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know. Um. But very interesting album. So now this track. This was the track where we'd heard it in the clubs and we'd heard it at the Blue Lights and we'd heard it around and we got to see the video on late night TV shows and yep. it was her in a white sheet dress almost with the chains around her neck which made it sort of clear where the album cover came from with the short blonde hair and the black yeah. roots. Everyone loved the black roots. That was a big thing, you know. And uh, she's rolling around in front of a car and just being Madonna and I thought it was the most powerful thing I'd ever seen in the world. So here it is, burning up. Song. This is sort of like when the when I guess the uh, recording company started like investing in her a little bit more and like uh, putting money into her videos and stuff like this, this. I love this video. This is really a lot of fun. And and you're right. The sort of the dark roots were like a really big Madonna signature. That that was something that previously you would have like. Been ashamed about, been hidden yeah, about. Yeah, that's right. You had to go and get Ma- your roots done. <laughs> yeah, like oh, you know, I look, I, you know, I look dodgy. She made it a fashion statement. It was incredible. That's right. Incredible. Yeah, that was, and she that was, was huge. Kind of filthy, but sexy. You know, like there was just something about her. But uh, this was an incredible single. So this, the B side to this, or it was a. Double-sided single with physical attraction, which is fucking phenomenal as well. Yeah. And we got to – when you brought the single of Burning Up, you got physical attraction on the B – it was sort of a double A side, I think. 
which they did a lot with Madge. Um, and that was just incredible as well, you know. Yeah. And and for me, buying the twelve inches that went along with this record was just as exciting as the record itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. So this is where we start to see the units just multiply because the record company's gone right. Do a twelve inch of that. Do a twelve inch of that. Do this, 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 this. And it was just incredible. And the covers and the photography and the art with Madonna's face on it was just phenomenal, 100% like marketing, you know. Yeah, really And you couldn't get away with shit marketing in these years, you know what I mean? No, You had to do really good marketing and beautiful photos and pictures and everything had to be interesting. We've sort of gone away from that kind of stuff now. You can wear a Kmart dress and look like a hipster and then (laughs) sing about butterflies and you're fucking famous. It it was very different, you know. And I really think it's I really think it's because photography is more dispensable today. Like like um it was a it it was a longer there was sort of more reverence when you took photos because it took it it was costly to get them sort it of absolutely and, and, was yeah and it co- it took a lot of time as well to sort of develop and get them happening and so you know in the setup of them a lot more time was put into making sure that the composition was beautiful and the lighting was perfect and all of that um, you know you didn't fuck around beforehand bef- you know these days. Like, you know, and, and we even do it. We even do it in our band. We, we will just, like, bang out the photos and we'll do everything in post. Yeah. So um, yeah. it, it's a completely different story. But, you know, the difference is that in these days with, with um, this album especially, um, they took a lot of time. They took a lot of time with the images and the images themselves are iconic. That's right. They're, they're and they're actually on film. iconic. Yeah. They're on film. And with film, you have to be good in front of the camera. You can't just pull your dick and do a fucking selfie and delete it if it looks shit. <laughs> you know, it, it, you couldn't polish a turd in these years. Yeah. Basically, I, I've worked with photographers that have said, you can't polish a turd. She was great in front of the camera, 100% great. And not only that, um, I think it was the whole black and white album cover was really different as well because we sort of started to see a lot of colour but she went back into the black and white and and that was a very 80s thing as well to sort of use black and white photography. Yeah, it was actually. It was something that we all kind of did at school and went, oh, we'll do this in black and white because it'll look really 80s. And and, and going back to our band and, and the marketing with our band, you can tell a showbag wig from a wig that looks like it's someone's hair and that's yeah. the difference is that everyone seems to be half-assed about stuff yeah. and getting away with it more because the limits have diminished with how much marketing you really need to do because there's so much accessibility to get the shit out there straight away where mm. you had to plan, you had to be strategic, you had to be don't put that photo out until we release that single. She had yeah. another band she was in called Emmy, which yeah, was a right. rock band. Emmy and, and the Emmys. And I love Emmy because I've got that on CD. And I think the cover is of the Madonna, Lady Madonna. Oh, sorry, the Virgin. Ah, uh, yep. And it's all rock music. And it's fucking really good stuff. And it's just oh, all rock. 
Is you know? this the one where she's she swears in it? She says "fuck you" and she just does everything. Like she, yeah. It's it's sort of. I'm just trying to think of a bloody song from it. I've I haven't listened to it for very well, but I did get it I've, from. My I've heard day. one that's really punky and like she's swear. You know, she's saying "fuck you" and it. <laughs> yeah, like, like yeah, really she, tough. That's right, and it's really interesting because. You would have to be very clever to put up with a personality like that as well. Yeah. Because yeah. she wasn't easy. She wouldn't have gone, okay, I'll tie my shoelaces up. She would have gone, you fucking do it, you know. It wouldn't have been – but she would have done it nicely obviously. But um, another thing I was going to mention, the Jelly Bean Bennett's situation, she did yes. a track with him called Sidewalk Talk, which was yeah. off his record and that's a ripper as well. And – you know, this is the jelly bean situation where they kind of broke up and then they were back together and blah, blah, blah. And there was a lot of obstacles as well with this album, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's right. The original um, the original producer, Reggie Lucas, she sort of uh, – who, who was a – he was like a rhythm guitarist that worked with Miles Davis – and, you know, she was really excited to work with him. She was paired up with him by the studio. But, and um, it just, by the end of it, I think, I think he thought that she would come in and just be the artist and record and go home. But, yeah, she, that's you right. know, she, she was sort of producing it with him effectively. Like she was. And writing it. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's right. But she she would sort of she'd listen to the roughs and then she'd come back to him and say, "I'd like this change. I'd like this change. I'd like this change." And he couldn't handle it. Eventually, he he basically um, he basically walked off the project. And um, yeah. she called in uh, Jellybean Benitez, who she was like, as you say, off and on dating. And he came on and did sort of remixes of all the songs. And he, you know, he's famous for bringing one particular track we'll play later. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, you can really hear, you can really hear, I guess, the details that Jellybean Benitez is famous for yeah, you on can. some of the songs. And then, yeah. like, the core, the core of the songs. Is, is this sort of like Reggie Lucas where it's like more mm-hmm. organic instruments and so forth. You can um, you can really hear it. But um, what are we playing next? Well, I was just going to mention we just played Burning Up. So Burning Up was track three on the record. So we're yeah. already 15 minutes into the record and we've had three tracks, you know what I mean? Like it was a long yeah. album but, my God, it was amazing. Um, the, it was directed by Stephen Barron, the video, and it, it basically says exactly what I said without reading this. Deplits of singer in a white dress with the uh, empty road waiting for her lover. Many authors noted that the visual was the beginning of Madonna's supervision of power through sex. And that's exactly how we felt watching it. It was like this chick stopping a car in the middle of the road. I love it, you know. Yeah. And, of course, the gays love it. Why wouldn't you? You know, yeah, the exactly strong. Right. The strong men and and women of the world are going. Oh God, this is incredible! Because there's nothing more in someone's fantasy than stopping your lover in the car. You know, crawling around, going, "Look what you've missed out on, or what you're going to get." You know. Yeah. But I loved yeah. it as a kid. Yeah. So the next uh, track, honey, is "I Know It." Really good track. Not a bad track on this album, and it goes like this. <laughs> Oh, 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 
I know it. Cute track and it's a beautiful showcase of her voice too. Yeah, and I really found it hard to reach that, I know you want, when I was little. I know. Yeah. Like it really stretched my range. And the thing that people don't realise about Madonna is this sugary voice was quite high really. It wasn't an easy thing to sing, especially when you're a little girl. Uh, lovely to hear. I just heard that before when I was downloading the song. There's a saxophone in it which is I've forgotten all about. You know, yeah, and yeah. I was like, "Oh, that's interesting." Um, but yeah, no, I know it. I I don't think it's my favorite on the album, but it's cute. It's funny because it's sort of um, like her. Sorry, my my fucking Alexa advice, uh, device was going off next to me. Oh yeah, her um. She she actually has a really sweet sensibility about her. Like even though even though she sort of claims her sex, it's not like she's a bit – it's not like she's fucking Tina Turner. She's no, It's not in that way. You know, no. it's she, – there, there is a she, – she does have a sweetness to her. She's got a, like a, a real girlishness about her, which I think is what made her appealing to the pop world and young girls, you know. Yeah, well, the, she she's doing something that everyone can do well, everyone can think they can do, but she's doing it really clever. Because when yeah. they went cutesy with her, with who's that girl, I fucking hated it. Yeah, and they no, went, they... Ooh, and she was, I just went, no. They yeah. went too far that way, but this is where yeah. it's a bit more organic and I don't know. I, it I, was just her rather than like like turning it into a caricature, you know? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Weird. Yeah. So that um, was track you, four. Yeah. Now, do you mind if we jump into the next track? Because you will, um, you guys out there will hear what I mean um, about this next track. This was, pro- this one was a track that was purely produced by um, Jelly Bean. Yes. And um, this was actually written by. Uh, Curtis Hudson and Lisa Stevens. This yep. was shopped to oh fuck, I forget their names. It was the other two members of the Supremes, apart from apart from um, Diana Ross. I forget their fucking names. I'll I'll, mm. I'll look it up as the song's playing. Yeah, but it sure. was it was it was shopped to them first, and they didn't like it. And then oh, it was really to, yeah yeah, and then it was brought to Madonna after this, um, right? And Jellybean did an amazing job with it, and I really think the production stands up. It was a beautiful pro- collaboration between her and him. Yeah, um, I absolutely love this song. I love playing it live with you, and um, this this was a big crossover track for her. Um, the he. He worked on this a lot for radio. Like he was, you know, they were aiming this to be a really big single and it did – this is the single that crossed her over into the mainstream from disco. Yeah. 100%. Here it is now.
It's a beautiful track. Like, it's just so feel good and it's just timeless. It just stands the test of time. I love it. I love the Jelly Bean version. I'm not yeah. huge on the Stephen Bray. No, yeah, that's right. I, I, yeah. I, you know the Immaculate Collection when it came out on that? They really, with the fucking piano solo, just keep it funky. Yeah, the, exactly the cow, right. The cowbell is what makes this work. Yeah, fuck, exactly right. Just listening to that then going, that's not how the cowbell goes in our version and I know why because it's come off the Immaculate Collection. Yeah. And um, I never liked that version. I, it's, I thought it just made it a bit weird. Like I was like, oh, this sounds a bit different. It wasn't funky at all, you know. Nah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, exactly. But Jellybean was the guy, you know. He was a big producer in America at the time. Yeah. And doing a lot of stuff. But 100% this song was made an amazing track through Jelly. You could only imagine what the demo sounds like. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. You know? So um, it was Mary, Mary Wilson from the um, Supremes who turned this down. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I love the clip as well. You know, she's dancing with her brother. Um, and Erica. Oh, just, yeah. And um, I love the routine. <laughs> I've always loved the routine from this. You, yeah, the you do this. You play this really well. You you sort of perform this really well. I love it. I can I can tell. I can tell, and and the audience can tell you've lived it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Look, if I was a lot young, when I was younger, I used to do all the moves. But as you get older, you go, oh, I can't even lift my leg up. You know. But <laughs> I mean, I still do. But um, yeah, the whole routine and and stuff. And that is the thing is that we did live it as little girls. We copied all the routines and. And especially Lucky Star, like with the whole jump in the air and put your hand on your chin and wink, that kind of thing that went on and, and then yeah. the kick in the air in Borderline. We, we did all the moves. And yeah. then when we got the Virgin Tour on top of it where she did it live, you could have blown us all away, you know. Yeah. It was just great. So the next track, Honey, Holiday is Amazing. So that was six minutes and eight seconds on the album as well. So yeah, we're looking yeah. at an album that was 40 minutes and 47 long, which uh-huh. is a long album. And yeah, that's right. something we should consider maybe doing as yeah. a, a show with a whole lot of 80s tracks in the next set, you know what I mean? 100%. Anyway, so the next one, yeah, the 40th anniversary of Madge, this one is a fantastic tune. This one I couldn't sing either when I was little. Think of me. I just couldn't reach it. I was like, yeah. how do you get up there? Yeah. Uh, and another track. And a lot of these songs, you used your imagination to what it was about. We were all going through our own sexual stuff and, and meeting yeah. boys and whatever we liked. So this stuff was definitely uh, part of our childhood and mm-hmm. a lot of dramas we had when we fell in love with people, you know. Like yeah. I used to think – I used to play this song whenever I was depressed and whoever I liked didn't look at me, you know, like think of me. <laughs> like, like a little monkey. I was just, you know, I've been freaking Scorpio Ascendant Pisces Moon. I'm always thinking everyone knows who I am when I'm not. But um, especially boys when I was younger, I used to have full-on – thought that I was going out with guys that I wasn't going out with, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. 
it was just like a fantasy world, you know. It was the 80s. It was amazing. This is Think of Me by Madonna. It's funny because she did grow out of this voice, didn't she? Well, the producer changed her in uh, A Man Can Tell a Thousand Lies. It was like she'd had a fucking lobotomy. And uh, <laughs> the producer really changed the sound of her voice and I don't think they should have. I, I, I found it really weird. And They, they told her she was going to... Um, strip of strip her voice if she didn't sort of start using some more technique, and it's it's I don't know I don't know about that I I no. I, I think with di- with sort of correct breath support she could have continued with this amazing vocal because I love her early voice. Yeah, but the technique she was using with the lower stuff was incorrect anyway. It's That's not right. her natural voice. Yeah, and. This, if she had have kept in this, think of me, she could have fluffed her way through a lot of this stuff. When you go down into the lower range, you're in your throat more, you know. So that's right. I think they really fucked her when it came to I don't know the Sean thing and sitting in that shit dress with the fucking lipstick on. <laughs> you know, a man can like I fucking I look. I had to like it because it was Madonna, yeah. but I didn't feel it. I was like, yeah, hey. yeah, 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 and you know, and and then they tried to do this spin that she was being attacked by Sean, and this is the dress was talking about abuse and stuff, like whatever the fuck, it just didn't work. I think I don't know who produced that record, but they just took her down into this other voice, yeah, and then when she did open your heart, she was up there again, and it was like this is cool. So I really think. And she doesn't really do that low stuff anymore. No, She's no, gone she doesn't. Back. It's just because of the age of a singer, the voice changes a lot even if you're singing up there. But yeah. I really thought it was technically great, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, so the next the next track is, is the longest track on the album. Oh, and um, the best. 
Yeah, and this is a B-side from before. Was this the B-side from Burning Up, I believe? Yeah, that's it was. right. Yeah, Burning Up. Um and and oh, not not so much B-side as as you say a um double, double A side. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, look, if um, you wanted physical attraction, you had to buy Holiday. Yeah, that's it. You know. Yeah. That was it. And people that just bought Holiday before the record because a lot of us did just buy Holiday we weren't sure still. It was really weird. We just weren't, oh, is it, is it going to be any good? And then you got the album and you went, what have I been waiting for? This is amazing. Yeah. Um, and then it was physical attraction that really sold the record, I think, when you brought the single of Holiday. You just wanted more stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, this reminds me of Revenge of the Nerds. If you, do you remember it being in Revenge of the Nerds, the blonde girl driving – she was like the rich blonde girl in a sports car and she's – I think one of the nerds fell in love with her or something and she was driving along – I'm sure it's Revenge of the Nerds or it's some movie where she's driving her sports car to physical attraction and it was the best fucking thing I've ever seen. I was thinking of that today and I couldn't fucking place the film. I think it's Revenge of the Nerds, isn't it? Oh, I don't know. Or is it – or is it – Um, is it – the Police Academy. I think it's Police Academy. Right, okay. I think it's Police Academy. I was trying to think of it today. Yeah. And because I, I'm thinking, is it fucking vacation? Is it fucking, you know, what is it? Yeah, I think it's Police Academy. It was the anyway. funniest shit. Funniest shit. I'll, we'll Google it while we listen to this song. Yeah. This is the song that is incredible, Physical Attraction. Um, A plus from me. Amazing. Here we go. Couldn't find it. Couldn't fucking work uh, Revenge it out. Revenge of the Nerds. Oh, it's Revenge, Revenge of the Nerds. Of the nerds. Just ah, found it. Apparently, 
Apparently. Yeah, right. But we yeah. will look at videos of Revenge of the Nerds, physical attraction, Madonna. And I, oh, my God, it sounds like a cat, but that's Bubby, is it? It's, it's Leo, yeah, he's. he's yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll, I'm pretty sure it is. We'll look into it. It's it's because there was um the movie that was out with that actress that was quite good about the Breakfast Club and the Madonna movie. And I yeah. think that was called Physical Attraction or something. But um, yeah. what a track, amazing track, funky as funky. She was just I so love funky. It. Yeah, yeah, really cool song. I love it. Absolutely. It's, it should have got more love, you know. I, 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 um, I love that track. Well, this is the beauty about the 80s. There were tracks that you could keep just for yourself that weren't number one hits or – you know, but I mean, I'm sure yeah, it that's right. high anyway that's because right. it was at the back of holiday. But and we wanted just those to do that. Gems. Yeah, we wanted right. to do a show on that where it was um, like um, awesome, awesome songs that weren't singles. Have we done that before? No, we haven't. We haven't. We should do that. We should do oh, it because I feel really fucking strongly about it. It's like there are. You, you know, there are songs on albums where you listen to them and you're like, this is this artist's best fucking song. This should have been a fucking single. But as you say, it, it's like when you release a single, it's like you fucking release it out to the world. Whereas if you don't release it to a sing- as a single, if it's just on the album, the artist gets to sort of keep it in a way. Um, yeah, well, that's right. Yeah, I love it. We should do it. And it, a, and it kind of, that. it kind of was clever marketing because there was something to make people buy the record as well. Because if you heard that song, you'd go like, I really loved when I heard Madge do. Um, it was a song on music that was just a killer song. Mm. It wasn't "Don't Tell Me." It was a ballad, and it was. F- Phenomenal, and I said, "What album is this on?" And it made me go out and buy the record. And it was a really sad song. I can't even think of it now. Uh, and my girlfriend yeah. wrote it, and my girlfriend brought the record, and I couldn't afford it. And I said, "What's this Madonna song?" And she said, "It's off Music," and it was just so beautiful. And I brought the album because of it. So it wasn't really because of a single, you know. So there was that opposite marketing of going, well, let's just put this out there and uh, when people hear it, they'll love it. You know, oh, yeah. You're funny now, not my style. Oh, that wasn't from music. That was what from was Erotica. F- that was from Erotica. Bad Girl from Erotica, nah, was it? No, not Bad Girl. It wasn't Bad Girl. Bad Girl's amazing nah. too. No, yeah. it was definitely from music and I'm just trying to think of the, the track. But um, So we're up to the last track, which is Everybody, where it all started really. That's right. Yeah, interesting last track. And, but it's, uh, yeah, actually, as you say, where everything started for her. Everybody by Madonna. Here it is.
What a banger. Love it. Really love it. And it's sort of um, lyrically really well written. I love it. Like she used oh, um, yeah. she used that sample, you know, later when she was doing the Blonde Ambition tour, which was like the big tour that really sort of cemented her icon, icon status, you know. Yeah, um, that's right. Absolutely. And she she used she used that um, the little sample from everybody at, in to the intro, the, you know, the dance yeah. and sing, get yeah, yeah. up and do your thing. This is a really good hot song in the Virgin tour as well. You just go, oh, what a fucking song, because there's a yeah. live band behind it, and yeah. it's kind of like it just starts with that bird call, you know, which she does yeah. a lot, and that was the beauty about her is that. There was start, start stuff in the songs that you would just resonate with straight away and you'd know the song and it, she'd just send people wild with it, you know? Yeah, yeah, love it. Four really minutes 57. Mm-hmm. Four minutes 57, which is awesome. Yeah, look, amazing album, one of my favourite all-time albums. Now this was produced by Mark Hammonds who who was the DJ uh, at Danceteria. Yeah. And he deservedly writes. Deservedly yeah. deserves to do that, yeah. Yeah, that's it, absolutely. Because it was DJs that could put you on the map, you know. Now can you just, can you imagine what the scene was like in Danceteria back in fucking 1981, 1982 with M- Madonna Amazing. getting around, hustling. You've got Keith Haring who was like a busboy. Um, it it, it would have been incredible. It would have been like, yes, you had Studio 54, but it's like um, that was for the celebrities. Like I the think that real... had closed by then, babe. Studio yeah, 54 right. didn't go that long. No, no, it didn't. Mm. But, you know, like Studio 54 was for the celebrities, you know what I mean? It was for the beautiful yeah. people. Danceteria would have been for like the actual people on the scene. Yeah, that's I, right. I, Dance I, people. I love it. Yeah, yeah, I I absolutely love and it's like, yeah, I know we all say I would have loved to have been, um, you know, back at Studio 54 and it would have been an incredible insight but like if I sort of wish wish myself back to the 80s in New York, it would have been at clubs like Danceteria. Yeah. Where, Where you see the real thing, like you get a really authentic slice of New York, you know. Yeah, and the clubs were where you started your career. Like the the venue owners and the club owners would keep an eye on anyone that was dancing and if they saw a little bit of a interesting person, you'd be on stage doing a show. Like that's how yeah. I got my first singing shows was at Chasers where I was dancing around at Chasers and the owners used to stare at me and go, what else do you do? And I'd go, I'm a singer. And they'd go, can you yeah. do a show here? Do a show here for 20 minutes. 20 minutes you get the fucking DJ, put the DJ song, you go to sing. And I did it. And there's videotapes of me at 18, 19 singing freaking dance music, you know, yeah. and doing this and show right, in front of right, all these people. It was, it was always the wogs that would, like, recognise the brilliance and, like, want to oh. do something with it, you know what I mean? That's right. Yeah, because it <laughs> made their club more interesting because they were seeing – because they didn't know who you were. You could have been nah. anyone, you know. Yeah. And they were yeah. just and, – and Edward Edward was always involved with me as well. So it was always – the costumes were incredible. And and that's how it sort of worked back then in the 80s where mm. you did go to a nightclub and play your stuff 
live and then if you had an original song, they played it as well, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Really yeah. interesting time though and such a great album and how lucky we are that this all went the right way. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, guys, there we are. And, you know, 40 years ago, it's unbelievable. This is the mm. whole reason why she's doing this big sort of world tour at the moment. It's great that she's recovered from her recent uh, illness and she's um, heading towards her dates and completing this tour, which is fantastic. Good on her. I hope hope she – look, I'll still firmly keep my fingers crossed and hope she comes to Australia um, you know, one last time. That'd be amazing. It'd be fantastic. So um yeah, well, I hope you've right. enjoyed tonight, guys. I I love this album. It's really beautiful. Yeah, we we should have I mean, it was so good when you said let's do this because I really needed to feel that magic again. Yeah. Um, now we've just had an amazing gig that we've come off in Launceston, the Princess Theatre. Ah, uh, yes. Guys, thank you so much for coming out in Tasmania. Like the one thing that helps us is you guys buying tickets to this show and coming out and seeing it. But the thing that blew me away about Launceston is we were giving all these gifts on stage. Really incredible. Like so generous and lovely. We we It was not until we sort of put them all together that we realised, mm. fuck, there is so much time and effort and care that has gone into this. Yeah, absolutely. I want to thank Malcolm and Leith. And there was another gift. I'm not sure who gave them to us but we had alcohol. We always encourage that as a gift on stage. You can uh, give us alcohol. We'll, <laughs> we will. We are magicians. We will make it disappear. Yeah. Uh, Tazzy, so sweet. We got some cassette tapes. We got Thriller on tape, Choose Life. Or was it? Yeah, I've, I've actually don't know where I've put them but – uh, all the compilation albums we've done shows on, Leith actually gave us the tapes of and it was just incredible. We were looking there going, my God, they're tapes, you know. And yeah. we got CDs, we got Choose Life T-shirts, we got – I got a T-shirt with an embroidered cassette on it and we just got all this stuff from the crowd and a lot of bands are going to be jealous and we're going to see a lot of them pretend that shit happens for them. But I, yeah. I think it was organic and it was so lovely and I got so insecure about it. I was like, should I pick it up? What do I do with it? What do I do with this? I've never had this before, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It was really beautiful and sort of, yeah, big love to, to Leith and, and Malcolm. That was really beautiful of you guys. Good on you. And everyone Thank you. that came out to Launceston. Everyone. We had a Theater. great time. Yeah, so we the had next a great one, time. yeah, we did. We we um we had an awesome weekend in Tasmania. We're coming back to Launceston next year. I'm not going to give the date just yet, but you will get if you've opted in for an email when you bought your ticket, you'll be getting an email with a early bird special ticket where you can go and buy some cheap tickets for the next Launceston gig. It'll be a two-week special. If you want cheap tickets to gigs, it's rewind80sband.com and you can subscribe and get cheaper tickets to gigs. New gigs this week, JB. We've got uh, the Cardinia Cultural Centre in Pakenham, a theatre there that we're doing on the 2nd of December. That's oh, exciting. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, that's exciting. We're also oh, doing cool. 
Yeah. So that's a little beautiful theatre in Pakenham. You can come there. There's an early bird special on at the moment for $40 a ticket and it's going to be our mixtape tour with the screen and everything in the background and the biggest show. And we're going to Albury next weekend at the SSNA Club in Albury. Get your ticket, ssnaclub.com.au. Pre-sale tickets, very important. There's 250 tickets already sold. We can only fit about three, 400 in the room and it's going to be amazing. Oh, beautiful. I can't wait, guys. That's going to be a great weekend. Fantastic. And Bird's Basement, of course, there are six tickets left, so you better hurry up. Beautiful, guys. Can't wait to come out and see you, folks. Please get amongst it. Um, hey, big, big shout out to subscribers all around the world, our subscribers of this show. Um, yeah. Please like, share, rate and review and become a subscriber, guys, on over 10 different platforms. Don't just mm. listen to one episode. Jump on as a subscriber and you will get the downloads as soon as the the episode sort of, yeah, as soon as they hit the net. And um, a big shout out to our patrons as well. We love you guys. Thank you for the support. You can become a patron for as little as $1.50 a month, guys, and it really helps us out. So thank you. Yeah, and it's patreon.com forward slash the 80s montage podcast. And just subscribe, guys. Let's get this. Let's get it rolling. Let's bulldoze a lot of this shit that's happening. And, guys, I mean, I know times are tough in – all around the world with the interest rates and all that stuff, but go out and see a band, go out and support live music and and thank you to everyone that's bought tickets for Bird's Basement. Like we're so overwhelmed with the yeah. fact that we've nearly sold out and we needed it. We needed it because we're it, – it's just so great when people buy their tickets and we can put on as many shows as we want during the year, you know? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. All right, baby. Thank you, guys, and thank you, everyone around the world who listens to our show. If it's music mateys. Or cool shit from the 80s. We're going to talk about it. 